What's happening, weirdos? This is We Made It Weird 101. This is the Friday, sometimes Saturday, sometimes Sunday uh, edition of You Made It Weird, where Val and I catch up. We usually get a babysitter, in this case, Nana, Val's mom, and uh, get to chat. And we love it. And we love sharing it with you. And we're so glad you're here. This is an incredible episode. Just a couple things to plug before we get to our chat. Val is here. Uh, she just went to get Lee while I do the intro here. Uh, September 8th is the next Living at Largo. These shows have been so incredible. If you want to come see me do stand-up, September 8th is my next date. Although we are about to announce some tour dates for my tour, which we're calling Where Were We? The Where Were We Tour. (laughs) I'm excited to get back to where we were, which is uh, the tour was interrupted and we'll be back. So I'm excited to uh, announce some dates. Uh, In the meantime... Largo, go to largo-la.com if you're going to be in the LA area. And if you like the show, why not try a Pete's Pick? Katie, roll them Pete's Picks. I'm wearing one now. Can you get this? Can you see that? Okay. These are perfect jeans. I didn't put these on because we were recording the intro, Katie and I. I, I, I put these on because I put these on every morning. Perfect jeans are my favorite pants. They're the most perfectly named pants because the perfect jean is the perfect jean. I hate hard pants, but I don't like pants that look like they're soft, if that makes sense. I want soft pants that look like they're jeans that pretty much are jeans. They just have 2% spandex and 2.5% rayon for extra comfort and movement that frankly, uh, it says it right here. I'm going to say it. Your man parts required. (laughs) It's in the copy. I couldn't pull it off wearing like a yoga pant or like a linen pant. That's just not me. I'm not Sting. I'm not Phil Collins. But I wear jeans every single day. And to have uh, some mobility, basically these are comfortable enough to sleep in. I have slept in them. They are the best pants that I've ever owned, not just because they're stretchy and comfortable, but because they're durable. You know, this area always tears. I'm pointing, for the audio people, I'm pointing to the crotch area. Always tears on my jeans because I overwear them. Not with the perfect jean. They're so well constructed, maximum durability, constructed utilizing the highest quality materials and sewing techniques. I haven't had to replace a single pair. So I have them in blue, dark blue, I have them in gray, I have them in black. They look fantastic, Val loves them. They last, they stretch, and they're comfy. What else, what else do you need to know? Oh, how about this? The perfect jean for the imperfectly perfect men are just 60 bucks when you use code WEIRDO at checkout. So liberate your lower limbs with the one and only perfect jean. Whether you are working with lemons or lentils, a three-leaf clover, or a big old honkin' eggplant, the perfect jean has you covered. Take a peek at www.theperfectgene.nyc. That's theperfectjean.nyc. No, not genetics jeans and use code weirdo for 25% off at checkout and of course show your support of the show second and lastly this is the last ad then we'll get to father g this is my apollo neuro it's a wearable piece of technology that helps my body manage stress this is the pete's pick that i've turned more people onto in real life i'm shooting a tv show this week 
two, three, maybe even four cast members from the show are have already used this promo code to buy an Apollo Neuro because I'm just constantly talking about what a difference it's made in my life. It uses almost sub-perceptual vibrations that help you relax, sleep, focus, and be more productive. It's like a wearable hug for the nervous system using touch therapy to help you feel safe and in control. It's worn on the wrist or the ankle. Apollo Neuro de- delivers gentle, soothing vibrations that literally train your nervous system to recover and rebalance after stress. There's energy, uh, energy and wake up, which you could really feel is wonderful before or even during a workout. Social and open is what I have it on right now because we're about to record an episode. It'll be running the entire episode, just telling my nervous system it's okay, keeping me alert, keeping me open. Clear and focused is wonderful if you have ADD symptoms, if you need to dial in and focus on your work. I use it constantly. Rebuild and recover. I always joke is what I put it on after I speak to my parents. (laughs) Just helps your body kind of come back to itself. It, this is a point in, in, in whenever I'm talking about it, I tell people it's not woo-woo. This isn't a crystal. This isn't like sinking up to the stars or something. It is made by a friend of mine. We became friends after I started using it. He uh, is a board-certified neuroscientist and psychiatrist. They've been studying the impacts of chronic stress in humans for nearly 15 years. The more you use it, the better it works. Uh, It's not a mood ring. Apollo's effects on stress, sleep, cognitive performance, and recovery have been proven in multiple clinical trials and real-world studies, and there are more on the way. I really love it. Sincerely wear it constantly. I literally charge it when I'm in the shower because that's the only time I'm not wearing it and pretty much not using it. So you can get 10% off and show your support of the show by going to apolloneuro.com slash weird. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-N-E-U-R-O.com slash weird for 10% off and feel better with just something you wear. Val wears hers on her ankle. So if you if you don't want to, I like I'm, a, I'm an Enneagram 4, so I like people being like, what's that? And I'm like, let me tell you. Uh, anyway, all right, everybody, let's enjoy We Made It Weird, number 101. Get into it. Hey, everybody wants to... Clap <laughs> their hands. We? we just decided we were going to... I was trying... Everybody wants to... Clap their hands. Everybody wants to... Clap their hands. Everybody wants to clap, clap their, their hands. hands. Everybody wants to clap, clap their, their hands. Hands, <laughs> hands, 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 <laughs> hands, 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 Speak for your smelf. <laughs> Speak for your smelf. You could be you could be high right now because you never tell me when you get high and then I discover yeah, on my but own. It's one PM on a Friday. That's true. But yesterday, last night. Oh my god, we had that laugh. Yeah. Well you didn't first of all I didn't tell. I, the moment I knew you were stoned was you said I made roasted veggies and you were like I, I was you said that was really good and you said something about like uh, next time put garlic in it, babe. <laughs> you didn't say it that way. I did not. <laughs> you said, I wouldn't be in mad fact, if there that's were. That's exactly what I said. I said, I wouldn't be mad. That's like the nicest way. <laughs> I know. I wouldn't be mad if you threw on 
a bunch of... You said, if you threw on like five or seven cloves of garlic, and I said, there were cloves of garlic... Uh, and, and you were and, slicing them. And I, I just halved them. Everybody be cool. <laughs> but I was also saying that five like is not that many cloves of garlic. And I said, I think you mean bulbs. And then you started singing a song that went like this. A clove is a bulb 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 is a bulb. Clove is a bulb is a bulb is a bulb is a bulb. And then it went, wrapped in a thick, flaky, paper-like skin. <laughs> Yeah. That's and, yeah, that's the giveaway that I'm a, a stony baloney. That's when I knew. But yeah, I just I like roasted garlic like the whole thing. And I, I always know, regret it. I, I understand, but you you can't do that with I would have to do that separately cuz then the flakes will cooking time. No, the flakes would get in there. You're not supposed to eat that. Like you, what you mean is like at an Italian or a French restaurant when they cut the top off of the bulb. Or, yeah, okay. I'm glad we're talking about this because <sighs> garlic lovers unite because this just became a garlic lovers podcast. <laughs> it sure did. And like there's at least three people that are like ready and in need of this tip. Because mm-hmm. a lot of us want to roast up some garlic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We want to roast but it up. I... We want it. Hold on. I'm excited. Just, I'm sorry. On. I'm sorry. Give me a second. I'm just kidding. I'm 100% <laughs> Could you imagine kidding. if you talked to me that way? I was joking. Uh, well, that sounds like that's code. Like, he talks to me this way. Please help. <laughs> Could you guys imagine being talked to that way? All day. Well, that's something we could talk about. Remember game night? We watched The Office game night. Oh, the it's office, not game night. Uh, it's it's not dinner game party. Night. It's a dinner party. And I remembered, I've been in relationships where yeah. your only hope to get jabs in mm-hmm. and you need to like you've been basically you've been a punching bag mm-hmm. for months yeah like maybe 10 months of no getting any expression or, or by expression i mean like even venting your complaints a little bit yeah and then i would go to like a game night mm-hmm. with this person and we were that couple that was like you could tell we were not happy yeah and i kept being like well maybe maybe if you slow down a little bit and considered someone else's feelings like stuff like that yep uh-huh and she'd be like oh yeah well maybe if you were a, a real man or whatever like Hers yeah. were always much worse. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good episode. I think everybody has can relate to Speedy. either being in a relationship like that or knowing somebody who was. Well, um, I do want to hear what your actual yeah, garlic tip here was. Here comes my garlic tip. I'm just making sure the screensaver being on doesn't stop the record. You know what I mean? Oh, God. Let me just, just, just give me a fucking second. <laughs> Will you just give me a second? I'm trying to gather my wits. Here's okay, so you know at the grocer's market you can buy bags or little containers of peeled garlic. Yes. Because everybody loves garlic, but nobody likes this like what is it? Was somebody like papying, macheing this fucking garlic? Like a, with very thin, <laughs> wet slices of, let's call it what it is, onion skin. So is someone dipping onion skin and like really coating these motherfuckers? What I'm saying is you can get it at the <laughs> grocer's market naked. Mm-hmm. Just the Dayquil tablet of garlic, which is yeah, amazing. Yeah, the, the peeled cloves. Peeled cloves. Right, not a bulb, just a clove. And yeah. <laughs> you get those and you just throw those on a pan mm-hmm. with a little bit of oil. What I'm saying is you think you got to be like fucking ratatouille. Yeah. You think you got to get a huge ass chef's knife and cut off the top of an entire bulb. Bu- 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 
Clove, yeah. The guy who doesn't know if it's a bulb or a clove. What you want to do is one blow. I love bulb cigarettes. Um, you don't I have wonder, to do it that way. You can just put it on a pan I, just I like wonder, you would though, fucking onions or fucking poppers. Okay. First of all, I, I, I wonder if that is true because what my understanding it is was. True. I've done it. Why would I be sharing this? With but if, it, if it's the same because. Confident. <laughs> well. <laughs> is it the same? Because here's the thing. Here's I think that want. the protective bu- flaky. Mush. I'm going to keep talking. <laughs> the, the protective flaky papers of the bulb keep it like keep this the juices what, in there it, otherwise it will dry you to be, believe <laughs> big bulb this is what big bulb <laughs> you don't need the bulb what i'm saying is i think that you know we're gonna have okay i'm pausing we'll be back in four hours because that's how long it takes to fucking roast garlic <laughs> it does it's so long it it's so like long 475 all right i'll come back in a few days <laughs> yeah uh, maybe it is better in the in the onion because I think that but might keep the can, juices in. Look, if you're just trying, as I so often am, to mainline garlic mm-hmm. and just get it on bread, get it. Hell, I'll throw one in the old chomps. Yeah, I'll chomp it up. Then you can do it on just the way you did. Look, 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 this look, is... look, look, this 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 sucks. This <laughs> podcast. I'm just kidding. But I do want to say, this is what I love about you, is that... This this sucks. You can tell, I think you can tell, who am I, Julia Childs, but I think you can tell a lot about a person by how they cook. And you... I'm not sure I feel safe. You will love this, I think. Okay. But it is very much like, like, I will be like, I need to use a recipe, at least the first time around. And I, and I like want to do it exactly right and get it exactly right. And then even if it's wrong, you're like, we'll make it better the second (laughs) time time around. around. That's what Step by Step was about. It was about cooking. Well, the first family was the failed dish. Right. But then when they blended families, nobody even noticed that was just dirty Brady Bunch guys. (laughs) That was just down in the gutter bee bunch. <laughs> Trashy Brady Bunch. And how am I supposed to feel as Susan, what's her name? Susan, Suzanne Summers. Suzanne Summers' first husband. I'm watching the show in the theme. <laughs> okay. All right. You're insanity. You are insane. Okay, go um, ahead. Go but ahead. the go way ahead. that you cook in the kitchen is very much like you just confidently try things and. And then like, and then no matter how it turns out, you're like, this is the best thing in the world. Wow. Because I've gotten to know it so well. Yeah. But it's, but like, if I'm watching you sometimes cook, like, remember you went through a phase, this is what made me think of it, where you were like, you burned some garlic and you were like, burnt garlic is delicious. You should be burning garlic. And I was like, this "Mm, is like, I think browned garlic might be, but you had just done it once. Brown is the step of 15. Keep brown until it's, it's black. You're just so confident and you love yourself so much that you're like, well, Petey did it. And I invented a new food, burnt garlic. Yeah. Well, I also just love garlic. It's sort of hard to ruin garlic. But you do things out of order 
but then it does always kind of work out. Like I am. But a I've, lot of what I make tastes the same because it's all like the same sauces and shit. But that's true for me too, because you just have too much. Which is why you're like too much days. Which is why, <laughs> like when you go to someone else's parents' house, once your friend's house, yeah, and they're cooking, you're basically just tasting their like sauces. Oh, I'm and fully a expect sauce immune. They don't even notice the sauces anymore. Yeah, I fully expect Leela to quickly Liquid realize. Aminos. That that everything dad eats or cooks is tastes like liquid aminos, and everything mom Coconut. cooks tastes like diced tomatoes. <laughs> I would say that's true. Yeah, right. And I think it's really cute. Thank you. I well, think it's cute that we're a little fucking family. I think it's cute that we're <laughs> like we have a have a, a decor. Yes, we do. Like we a, have a style. A style. We have a family smell. I really want to <laughs> have a family smell. Would you like to see it? <laughs> would you like and to smell? Like, what are you gonna do? <laughs> Although I noticed, so we just moved into this house. This house has a really nice smell. I know, and I wonder—that's what I was gonna say—is I want our friends who you know have been to our house in LA so many times to come here and tell us if it's carried over because oh the Holmes Cheney smell yeah because I that, don't remember packing it I know my okay. My friend Annie has said, you know, like she knows our distinct family smell and Why she thinks our cars call us smell what like we it. We are drifters. Just call <laughs> us sons of the rail. No, but it's not a bad smell. That's, Everybody's family has a smell. I feel like that's what, like when you say to somebody, hey, haircut. No. You know what I mean? She's just going, smell. Oh, my. <laughs> like, there's a smell. I love the smell of my, my grandmother's house is so distinct in my memory. And I love it. And now I love the smell of my parents' house because it smells like my childhood. And they've, they move every five years. Yeah. But their, that family smell Does smells so good. Does my parents' house have a smell? Yes, but I'm what not as it? familiar with it. It's not as uh, curated as the other smells. Yeah. Is, the Holmes' house was more free range. Yeah, that's true, because you guys weren't really united. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a United Nations. Everybody's a delegate of their own little country. And yeah. my father, definitely the smell of oil burners. Like, what are you looking at? What, what, a, what, a what is it? truck just, tell, just, just came Just tell me in. what's happening. Just, 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 just fucking tell me. <laughs> a truck just pulled into our driveway, but it's probably the fire pit people. I think it is the fire pit. FPPs? FPPs. Down with FPP? Yeah, you know me. Um, I was also going to say my childhood best friend. Her house. Oh, I remember Ernst's smelled house really, smell. and I loved it. But our friend, I, we yeah, had one friend that say, "I'd love to smell Ern's house in 1993." <laughs> yeah, that but would, probably if you me. go to his parents' house, it will smell the same. Yeah, I bet. You know what else I was realizing? I want just today. Mm-hmm. I'd love to have my mind blown. <laughs> Let me tell you what I mean. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I'm specifically craving. <laughs> That upside down, like literally, that's the best way to describe it. Suddenly you're flipped upside down. Mm-hmm. You're dead. Like, I'm not trying to be like, oh, sexuality is the weirdest thing. But like, I want like your dad was gay the whole time. Like, oh. I want like, like you are blown. Like, I want, not, not just for the fact. I want mm. the feeling mm-hmm. of looking back, Kaiser Sozaying your own life and going like, oh, wait, that means... That's why. Yeah. You mean Uncle Greg wasn't my uncle? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Again, I don't mean to say that homosexuality is like the craziest thing that could happen. I'm just using that as an example of something I wouldn't have guessed. That kind of happened. I want that feeling. I'm craving it. I love that feeling. Totally. Like, 
I speak Russian and I I have a family. <laughs> you don't want this? No, I don't. I don't want it, but I want the feeling. Of, I want my mind blown. Okay. I want you to be like, you're not going to believe this. I have a sister. Yeah. And I'd be like, what? And you'd be like, she's an assassin. <laughs> I, I, I want it. Well, that happened to us. The only reason it didn't, it wasn't like a pure moment in our family was because we still aren't a hundred percent sure, but we're pretty positive. So I'm going to just going to tell it like it was like it for sure is true. And it won't blow your mind because you don't know any of these people, unfortunately. Okay. But my mom's mom was adopted and she like the story was always because her who the family she was adopted into was very, very religious. It feels like this American life. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Go on. Was very, very religious. So they were religious. <laughs> I don't okay. think he interrupts. No, this um, isn't Ira Glass. This is just anyone with kind of like a... Like the Radio Lab guys. Radio Lab. Short, little vocal fry. Sorry, keep going. Keep going. Um, so they were very, very religious. Muzzy was the like grandmother. <laughs> I'm going to put in this American Life music. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to focus on the details. But as soon as you say muzzy, like some light muted organ comes in. Like, and we know muzzy's important. And and muzzy was, was he, was she? (laughs) Was he, was she, muzzy? And you, and then you go, wait, this episode's called muzzy. It's like a little clue. Yeah. Pay attention when you hear muzzy. Muzzy was a human organ. Like she was like, if, if a church organ became a person. I thought you meant like a liver. No. Um, anyway, so they were very religious and the story was always that a girl, a young girl in the church got pregnant. And so they adopted that, that young girl's child because she was like 16 or something. Okay. And then that was my grandmother. And my grandmother had a lot of like mental illness and ailments and all these things. And it's always been this thing of like, God, I wish we knew what her genetics was. Cause that's like that's significant information. Like your mother's mother really affects a lot of things, especially for women like breast cancer and things like that. Mm. Um, and she was a big question mark forever. And then my mom tried to get a hold of her. She, no, my grandmother tried to get a hold of her biological parents and her adopted mother said, okay, I'll put an ad out in the paper. And then just told her like, I never heard back, but like she did what we've found is that her uh, so she used to she was very close with her uncle Johnny who she used to go visit all the time in Oregon and we after uncle Johnny died we started finding out that uncle Johnny had a lot of different kids from a lot of different people and we're pretty sure <laughs> that uh, uncle Johnny was her real dad and that they did adopt her from a girl in the in the church, but that girl had gotten pregnant from the s- the son of the woman who adopted my mom. So she is in that family. So it was like, oh, we do know the genetics, and it is the actual family we thought it was. It just is the brother, not the like. It's basically like if my son had gotten a girl pregnant, and then I adopted that baby. Right. 
to try and cover it up. Yeah, I think that's kind of, that's like your real Cracker Barrel buttered corn. <laughs> yeah, that's like, a Cracker uh, Barrel story right That's there. a Cracker Barrel buttered corn, but I just mean like it's on the menu. Like, yeah. I, I loved it. I do struggle with, people know, people know this, I struggle with family tree stuff. So I, I was confused until the end. Yeah, I know. And when you summarize, you could tell. I make a I'm... certain face, my <laughs> eyes are shaking a little bit. You interrupt with the NPR jokes. <laughs> Well, that goes back to what you were saying. It's like the cooking. Is it that I like black and garlic or can I not handle the reality that I failed? <laughs> you know what I mean? And am I so up my own ass that like I can't even taste the garlic? I just go like, I can't handle the alternative. Of course, I think that's absurd. But certainly, uh, yeah, I was listening. Everybody's listening to this podcast. There's one about it's Lex something. Uh, everybody, Lex Friedman. I don't know. A uh, very popular podcast, and he had the guy on that did uh, this new book, and it's about how reality is an illusion. Mm -hmm. And this guy was dropping not pedestrian science, like hard science. Yeah, like I can't even do an impression of it, but like referencing like a phrase, and you know that phrase would take nine hours to understand. Mm -hmm. Not absolute zero, but it would be like, and of course, if we weigh this against n squared, and <laughs> and the host was just kind of like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I'd, I'd be like. <gasps> Like I would have to, I felt like the feeling of when someone starts talking mm -hmm. and I don't understand, I was actually grateful to Lex as the host because he let him go. And then he was like, what? And then the guy kind of circled back. Mm -hmm. But I get this, like I'm trapped in a room and it's filling with water pretty quickly. Oh yeah. And I'm, well, I'm going to die, I think. This just happened because I was basically acting as the translator to between you and my mom while we were at lunch, which I often do just now. Yeah. I mean, it just, it was very, oh, very little, but said, like, how are you liking it in general? And I met Texarkana and she told me about her church. Is yes. And, and like, and she just, she, she gives, and it's probably why I gave, well, I feel like I gave the bare minimum amount of details about that story, but I noticed that when I'm hanging out with her a lot, which she's been visiting for a while, I will start to do that like mom thing of giving way too many details. Oh yeah, no, she, uh, it, it can be the room filling with water. Cause it, when you, for example, said uncle Johnny lived in Oregon. Yeah. I guess I didn't have no, to say that part. I actually took a moment to go like, that's a good detail. He's far away. It's yes. pertinent. Yeah. It's not that it's not pertinent. Uh, but as I've sort of laughed about your folks before is they're always saying like, well, he's from Birdby <laughs> and like Birdby has nothing to do with the story. And really what it is, is like, <laughs> we've covered this before, but like I need, maybe it's a guy thing. I don't know. Maybe it's just my type of brain. I'm like, I'm putting a pin in Birdby and waiting for it to kind of like come back or inform or something. Yeah. It's really, it has nothing to do with her or me. It's just. No. And it is like, a, it is a cliche gender thing that it's like men just need like the bare minimum details and women like are like, let me tell, let me weave a story. Well, you, you tell me, have you heard me say this before? Because I, in the first year or so of this podcast, somebody sent me, this is how long ago it was, a DVD. They, they recommended a DVD. This is probably back when I was like checking the Nerdist email account. Mm -hmm. And they were like, there's this DVD that explains why men and women are different. I know it sounds stupid, but you got to check it out. And, and it was good. I, wa I didn't watch mm -hmm. the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I should have because I, what I got from it, I've retained for mm -hmm. a long time. Mm -hmm. You stop me if this sounds familiar. I mean, I, it sounds familiar. I remember when you did this. 
did what? Watched that. That video? Yeah. Really? I think so. Yeah. Because I remember I'd being like, to, like. I think it's in my desk. I think I remember being suspicious because I was like, this is so. Well, of course. It's, it's, it's a, like. It's, it's a, a jar a, of it's, pickles if somebody's like, this, this woman is going to explain why men and women are different. Yeah. But and they it's did. it's like gender normative and all of that. But. Of yeah. course it is. Yeah. I like to call it. It's real um, Bible times useful. Caveman times useful. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, not, like gender studies stuff becomes way more approachable and discussable when basic needs are met. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So yeah. this is real like hunter gatherer stuff, Yeah, which is interesting to consider. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this today that, you know, in, uh, you know, the fifties and gangs in New York with the jets and stuff, <laughs> I'm like, some of those people were transgender. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I know New York was sort of ahead of the curve. No, no, no. I mean, even uh, like... Transgender people, I suppose. I think there were transgender people since the beginning of people. That's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. We're saying... I just wanted points for saying the compassionate thing. (laughs) But I I was considering today that even at the very beginning, there Mm -hmm. were people right when when Homo erectus became erectus. I'm not going to get this right, but there is... There was like... There's history that that talks about like different villages had sort of a third gendered person. Yeah. Sometimes that was like kind of more fluid often. You or, said that before. Yeah. Here's the thing. I didn't mean so no. shut it. No, <laughs> I, I mean, didn't. I, I remember that. Because when I was with the Yanomamo Indians, <laughs> the Yanomami as I called them, I've heard them referred to as the Yanomamo, Act One. And the Yamo be there. In- <laughs> that's not Yamo okay. be there, Indians. I don't know if that's okay. I feel like it's okay. It's, I mean, you're not. It's just as much making fun of Yamo be there as anything else. But that's ex- look. In the instant I heard it, there's there's sand, and the sand is distributed on a scale. Part of it was teasing the Yanomami Indians, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna go out on a limb and say they're fine with it. Nobody, it doesn't. It's okay. It'll never get back to them. Okay. On the other side of the scale was 98% of the sand making fun of Mike McDonald. Yelm will be there, yeah. which is just a ridiculous name of, for a song. It's like he heard make him a dreams come true. And he was like, you think that's a silly way to talk? <laughs> I'm going to turn, you know, I'm going to. Yes, I'll be there. Yamo be there. I think it's yeah. Like, yes, I'm going to be there. Yamo will be there. You, you oh. go to the party? Yamo will be there. Oh yeah, it's actually not that. But I don't know. I think he's it. saying, you know, I'm gonna be there. Like, like when you need me, Yomo, Yomo said, be there. Uh, we ain't even pro be here. He, <laughs> he turned supposed to into pro. <laughs> it should have been. Look, Mr. Z. <laughs> Oh that my is God. so stupid. I didn't even mean it to sound as corny as it did. <laughs> I remember we called Exhibit Xavier Zibit, which I used to think was so funny. Xavier Zibit. Yeah, Exhibit. You know, Xavier Zibit. That's his legal name. He goes by Exhibit. I um, love it. But uh, Jay-Z, we ain't even Spo be here. Yeah, but it but was we, pro. we ain't pro be here. Not Spo. It should be Spo, spo or Poe, but he puts in an R. Because it's we like several, it's like several steps. It's like supposed to turns into suppose, suppose. But the R is pro, really just pros. that's that's him burning garlic right there. <laughs> that's true. You're that's, right. That's him just going like, I love this. <laughs> yeah, and, and it feels right, and he's correct. I'm also a hip hop mogul. But if you are <laughs> gonna like rap and freestyle, you have to be able to burn some garlic. There's definitely like and eat yeah. it and love it. 
Yeah. And and Kanye has taken that to the next level where he, there's no pan. There's just a fire and he's holding garlic in his bare hand <laughs> over the flame. Going like, this is the future of cooking. And they're like, Kanye, you're, you're on fire. I, I hope that's okay to make that joke because he does struggle with mental illness. Uh, I mean, I think. You just yana mommy to me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I think it's okay. Let's look at the sands. Look at the sands. It's Fine. okay. He's sort of a cultural character. Welcome to apologizing for jokes moments after we make them. <laughs> and hoping that it means we can leave them in. <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, we're working today. Like, yes. Look. Let's call we're, in the go- we're in the golden age of... The last hiccups, maybe it's going away, where if at least if you address, whoa, whoops-a-doodle, we're, we're just two clowns in a clown car, guys, and that's not enough clowns. You can fit 75 clowns in here. Oh my and we're, we're clowning and we're making jokes, but if you step on a banana peel, at least you go like, didn't mean to do that. <laughs> um, okay, so the the woman on the DVD, the digital video disc, she, she said... What did she say? She said, <laughs> women love details. I can say this so fast. That's why they get mad when you pick up tomato sauce instead of tomato paste. Because yeah. in the hunter-gatherer time, before yeah. we had, you know, better representation, more equal mm-hmm. opportunity and stuff, the men were hunting and the women were, were gathering, right? Mm-hmm. And if you said, get me the red berries by this river, mm-hmm. and you brought the purple berries from that river, that could kill the family. Yeah. So this carries on genetically. It's been imprinted that those details matter. And men go like, that thing with tusks will kill me, or that thing won't kill me. Yeah. And we're just big picture it's and like about like... broad strokes. Yeah. And again... I'm an exception to this. I like details, but I struggle. Mm, yeah. yeah I no, I, I was going to say we did just, me. we did just do this because I mean, and you do, you're right. Well, yeah, that's mo. the, yeah, that's mo. why I think it is. <laughs> yeah, mo. Yeah, mo. He's on the stand. Mr. McDonald, did you witness my client at the point of the drop on the night in question? Yeah, mo. <laughs> is that a yeah or a no? <laughs> And then Jay-Z comes on. He ain't even pro B here. Okay. <laughs> okay. Probation? Is that is it probation? Um, I wish I had Jay-Z's number for a lot of reasons. Oh, my God. Mostly because then you're one click to Beyonce. Um, I feel like that's a bad way to go at Queen B. Yeah. How do you bring it up with Jay that you're actually calling for B? I think... I think he's secure enough now. He would, he would. You think so? I would like to think so, I guess. Probably dealt with it a lot. Like, yeah. like when people call me and they want to be put in touch with somebody else, it's still, it, it, it grinds my gears. It, but if they it, wanted it to be in touch with me. Fair. Although I'm okay. not like, we're not competitors. No, but that, that softened it. Mm-hmm. But I think about this all the time. If like I do this, if your mom says something and I don't know how to respond, um, like we were watching Only Merged in the Building and uh, somebody has, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but there's mm-hmm. a sheet on somebody and it looks like they have a boner. Mm-hmm. And she goes, it looks like he has a boner. And I, I didn't know how to respond. And I was like, if you said that, mm-hmm. if you said the exact same thing in the exact same way, I would go, oh, you silly cheese, it does. <laughs> He's got a big old a sheet boner and mm-hmm. would laugh and I'd kiss you. Mm-hmm. But with everybody else, I'm just kind of like, 
I don't, I, I like lock up and freeze. Yeah. It's just so nice to have somebody that you can just completely mm. remove the Hoover Dam. Mm. That's all I'm saying. Well, it's nice to be that person. Feels it sure good. is. And you're always wet. What? Because of the Hoover Dam. <sighs> I removed it. Uh, and your dental dam. <laughs> is that a vagina thing? Yeah. A dental dam. No. No, it's, it's it, a penis. Th- well. No, a dental dam is when they're working on a tooth and they put it. Okay. Let's get, let's get to what we want to talk about today. But I do think. Okay. You can use a dental dam on the vagina. No, I think you use it on the penis for oral vigia? sex. That's what I thought. I think a dental dam goes on the vagina if you want to lick plastic. It's no like, way, really? Yeah. I always thought, yeah, that makes more sense because why wouldn't you just use a condom for flesh? <laughs> I mean, I mean, at and that why? Point, and just, also, why just, would you use a condom for flesh? Just, just look. Practice safe sex. I'm just very glad that there's no. I I I don't even want to weigh in on this topic. <laughs> I do want to say this. Are you are you were you done saying the things that we kind of had out in our first? Yep. Twenty oh twenty nine minutes. Ooh. Uh, what did that sound? Never mind. Um, I just got back from Las Vegas, and I, I just wanted to touch on the the topic of this one would be a different kind of success. <laughs> Because <laughs> I went to Vegas to do a corporate show mm-hmm. for which I was so grateful. It was uh, for some whiskey distributors, and they were so kind. And everybody that put it together, I'm just going to say this once everybody that put it together was so nice. The accommodations were so nice. Tom Papa was there. Tom was so, it was so nice to be doing it with another comedian. Yeah. And when I started doing the show, guys, I haven't bombed in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I. I don't want to call it a true bomb. Like it wasn't like flop sweat, absolute zero laughs. But here's, I, I distilled this whole thing, this whole experience into one thing. I was waiting around all day, you know, in the hotel, listening to my stand up, even watching other stand ups that I admire. I watched Mike Birbiglia's special. So I was taking it serious, mm-hmm. looking at my notes, going over my bits. I brought a suit, put on my suit. I'm, I'm really taking it super serious. I get there. Of course, it's a convention center the size of an airplane hangar. Like, you could have parked several airplanes in this room. It's enormous. Mm-hmm. And then there's like, you know, 30 tables, dining room tables, and they're eating. It does not look like an ideal thing. I'm not just making excuses. I'm just painting a picture. Yeah. Uh, Tom went up on stage. Tom had been doing events with these people the whole week. So they kind of knew Tom. And he went up and he was doing okay. It, was, it wasn't like warm, but it wasn't hostile. And he told some jokes and he got him going. And I was like, I think this is going to be great. Then old Holmesy goes up. He goes, I'm going to bring up your comedian for the evening. I can't, stress, <laughs> I can't stress this enough. These are like successful salespeople. Liquor distribution, top of their field. And they're eating a meal. And they, there's going to be a show. And then they're going to be given awards. And at the awards, I think they're going to be awarded cash yeah so there's like this kind of like comedy occurrence yeah stopping their award show (laughs) (laughs) like really i'm sort of in the way Mm -hmm. i go up the first thing i say is uh you guys didn't even applaud long enough for me to get to the mic which is usually a funny thing to say yeah like it's funny to be like oh thanks so much for clapping while i got to the microphone nothing Mm -hmm. like zero and i was like and then I was like, keep it going for Tom Papa. He looks like a hipster Fred Rogers. Zero. <laughs> Zero. And I go, oh, man, I just sold out my friend and I didn't even get a chuckle. 
Zero. Like, I, I just keep getting zeros. Yeah. And, and I said this to Val already. We already catched up, caught up on this. But I was like, when you have a bad comedy set, and I really want to shout this from the rooftops, I'm so privileged to do Largo and like the comedy store and all these like piping hot, primed up, ready to go stand up comedy shows. When you do one where it's not going well, yeah, the feeling is. Why are you telling us this? <laughs> They're thinking. That's the feeling. What, yeah. And and this is the weird epiphany. They're sort of right. Well, it's specifically the way you said it to me, which is so interesting, is it's like they were like, why are you telling us about your life? And you're exactly. like, I, uh, I'm i a cat person. It's like, who, who, who cares? cares? Yeah. That's exact. And this is actually, to me, it felt like a pretty big revelation which mm-hmm. is most of the time it should be that yeah. it's an insane life that i live that i go up on stage and it's just sort of a given mm-hmm. that if i want to tell you about the one time i went to a strip club in in las vegas mm-hmm. that you'll just be interested because yeah. i'm the comedian yeah but when you're just talking to people who maybe weren't even really expecting comedy mm-hmm. certainly didn't buy a ticket and enter into the space like my space yeah my music is playing and my lighting and my stage and all that stuff like you're not being entered in plus there's a group identity going on they all sort of know each other yeah and then i show up and i'm like you you already said it i said You can tell I'm a cat person because the command I most often give my dog is go live your life. Mm -hmm. And as I said that, and it got zero, I mean like a few polite chuckles. Um, I just didn't know. I just didn't know what to do. (laughs) Well, yeah. And I I really, to all the comedians that listen to this, I I just like, because I kept taking comfort in Brian Regan. Brian Regan told a story. I love this. About doing a corporate. So these, these shows are often shows for people who maybe don't know you and maybe weren't necessarily in the mood for a show. It was just something happening. Yeah, they're it's, just like kind of tacking on a comedian sometimes. to whatever they're doing. Often. And sometimes it works. I yeah. was there a month earlier and it went fantastic. Mm-hmm. This one still went okay, but mm-hmm. it just really felt like, like, who is this guy? Yeah. And why is he telling us about the time his mother called and thought the, the call waiting beeps were the voicemail beep? Like, I mean, that's like so, conf- like, they, like, I really mean this. They were right. Well, In okay. a sense, in, in the most literal sense. Here, I just start going on about my mom. Who, and they're just sort of politely listening, but they didn't necessarily like latch on to me. This is the Brian Regan story. Brian Regan does a corporate. Brian Regan, I think, is the funniest comedian in the world. And mm-hmm. he also happens to be incredibly clean. So he mm-hmm. can work a lot of gigs like this. I'm also being clean. Uh, Brian Regan eats absolute shit, <laughs> gets off stage. One of the people at the corporate event who just watched him eat shit sees him at the bar and says like, oh, hey, man, that, that was good. And he's like, oh, thanks. And then the guy says to Brian Regan, so what do you do? Which so good. It's so good. Fun, which is what it feels like to not do well at a corporate. <laughs> yeah, that is really it's just one of the best stories ever. And I that's why I couldn't <laughs> wait to tell this story. Like I liked obviously we're all doing our best on Instagram and mm-hmm. YouTube and to, to present our best selves. And I okay, so this is where sometimes it doesn't go your way. And that brings us to the title, A Different Kind of Success. Mm-hmm. Once I realized 
it just wasn't going Petey's way. Yeah. They laughed at the words lesbian Val Kilmer. They laughed at the poop joke that you wrote. And the rest <laughs> of the time, including my telemarketer story, which I've been telling for 20 years. Yeah. And I'm just like, it doesn't matter how poorly it's going. When you do telemarketer, it'll get a big it's laugh the ace and you'll up, say goodnight. Ace up your sleeve. It's yeah. The ace up your sleeve. So here I am. I've gotten the light. I do telemarketer. I can't believe how poorly it's going. Like, I really, like, that's when I was like, I'm just not, I'm just not what you want right now for for whatever reason. Let's not even pretend I can call it. But I'm doing, hello, nothing. And I go, I I couldn't stop the voice altogether. Polite, a few, like 3% polite chuckling. Everyone else, again, smiling and looking at me. Mm -hmm. Nobody's talking. It's not breaking out into rowdiness. I did my job. I stood my ground. Here's why it was a different kind of success is I started just telling them like, this isn't going well. Like, I want you to know that I know that this isn't going well. Now I hear what they sound like when they all laugh. And I go like, this sucks. I even said, this is liquid death. Like, this is liquid death. And I'm so sorry I'm not your cup of tea. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, towards the end, I went, I just don't worry about me. I'm fine. Yeah. Like, if you're in the audience, like, concerned for me, I, I went... Old Petey's going to sleep great tonight. I wanted to give you a great show. It's not really going my way, but it's okay. Yeah. And this is, sorry, I'm going all over the place, but I had had dinner with James Bashara, who, among other things, he's a venture capitalist and he made Magic Mind, which I'm obsessed with. And he told me about this Dr. Huberman, the psychiatrist who we're trying to get on the podcast, by the way, he's great. Andrew Huberman was talking about the science of a specific type of gratitude, Mm -hmm. which is like, when you are doing something that's hard, keep telling yourself, I love this. Mm-hmm. I love this. Don't succumb to this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. So when you're traveling, for me, I don't necessarily love traveling. Be like, what a privilege. This is great. I took pictures of my hotel room just because it was a nice hotel room. Not to even show anybody, just to like practice gratitude. Mm-hmm. Be like, I can't believe I'm here. Tom Pop is here. My manager's here. We're in Las Vegas. We're having dinner. This, And I just kept like overloading my body with sunlight yeah and because of that practice Mm -hmm. that's how the show went because often in that situation i'll i'll get a little slappy with the crowd just out of desperation to to try and wake them up this time i was just at at one point i didn't even tell you that i went guys you're safe you're loved you're valuable (laughs) wow i really wanted this to go better but it's okay and because they were all salespeople, i was like don't act like you don't know how this feels like you've oh, never yeah. been on a sales call and it's just not, you're just not connecting. Yeah. That's where I am. It's not the end of the world. And I didn't sweat. Everybody was with me. I got off stage. Everybody that pr- was promoting it, they were like, hey, sorry, that wasn't better. But like, I, I, I guess you could say I bombed and I didn't bomb, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, absolutely. That is, so the, the, the big success is that you kept your center. Well, that's what I told you. Yeah. In the, in yes. the stress and, and you also had set the intention, in addition to being grateful, we talked before the show and you set the intention to not turn on them like you can when you're feeling really stressed and it's not going well. Well, for everybody that's been listening, when old Petey started lifting weights, mm-hmm. I started noticing more of an urge to 
do testosterone things. Yeah. Like, you guys are a bunch of dum dums. That joke's always worked. Like you're idiots. And there and are I didn't do that. And that was a a great a great success. Great success. There are comedians who have a whole career based on that and it's enjoyable and it's enjoyable when you do it too. But it doesn't tend to feel always feel good for you. Like I've it seen feels you good when you're doing it and then it feels bad the moment, moment you're done. You're like, just because what? you're not in enti- when you do it, sometimes you're not entirely in control. I wrote that down the other day. Mm. I said, the revelation of my forties is I am not in control. Yeah. <laughs> like I thought I was. Yeah. And now I think I look back on what I did and in the memory, I superimpose the illusion of control over it. Yeah. But really, this is not to say I have no accountability. I'm always going to try. And, and in fact, this story is a story of, I don't want to do that. I know these gigs can be rough, but don't turn on them. Yeah. Don't call them dummies, mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. And it's always with a smile. It's always just trying to delight them or shock them into enjoying the show. Yeah. This time, because Papa was like, you could have gone into the crowd. And I was like, if I went into the crowd, the only move is to go like, is to, is to make fun mean. of them, yeah. I, otherwise, what do you Roasty. do? Like, how much, how much uh, whiskey do you sell? Mm-hmm. Ooh, is that a lot? Like, what do you? I, yeah. I just was like, I'm gonna stand here. I'm gonna <laughs> not sweat. I'm gonna actually like that. That's why when I told them you're loved and you're beautiful, yeah, I was like, at least maybe you'll, you'll remember we'll hear that. that. Yeah, like I'll I'll find some value out of this thirty. It was a thirty-five minute set. <laughs> some value out of this. Well, it's the endearing thing that we talked about too. Like remember, you said before. that. Yeah, you said I. Good, yeah. what, it was great advice. Good stand-up advice. I said, because we knew that there was a really good chance it could go this way because of the nature of the gig. And and I said, if you can't get them to think you're funny, if you can't get them to laugh, you could at least endear them to you. Yeah. <laughs> like make them feel delighted in this person who is being kind to them. That's right. And, that, and smiling at them and looking at them and, and being like, it's and then, okay. And then you said something like, oh my God, that's the, that's the philosophy of my entire standup. And I said, that's the philosophy of my entire life right. of my whole personality. If you can't get them to this, at least endear them. To yeah. Them. If I can't be, I, I mean, the sad version, oh, which you, isn't you, really true, but definitely what I, where I learned this was like, if I can't be talented enough or smart enough or whatever, at the very least I can endear I can be endearing and charming. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, You're really reminding me, by the way, what this experience was. And it was sort of deliciously humbling. Meaning, mm-hmm. when I got off stage, I actually felt joyful. If you had watched me, you'd be like, Pete's going to go eat ice cream. That was another epiphany. I said, I'm not going to eat ice I cream. I love this. Because I was like, oh, I, I'm going to bomb. And then they're also going to hurt my body. Yeah. Like they're going to clog my arteries and they're going to make me sleep bad. Yeah. I was like, fuck that. Because you know, I do intermittent fasting. I'd stopped eating before the show. I was like, I'm going. I'm still in the fast. Mm-hmm. Like, and you're in fucking Vegas with the 20, 25, eight yes. <laughs> room service. Yes. And I was like, no, that, that's losing twice. And I'm, I'm telling you that that dinner with James was really 
life-changing. He, he, mm. he also articulated it like this. If you love something, don't be shy about it. I and I do that, that it, meaning... What sweet advice. It's, and it, but also neurologically sound, meaning mm. if someone says, what do you do? I'm always like, well, I'm a writer. Or, mm-hmm. or if someone says, what's it like being a comedian? Mm-hmm. Be like, you know, it's good. There's a give and a take. There's a lot of travel or whatever it is. It's just be like, fuck, get eight years old with it. Mm-hmm. Be like, I love it. I can't believe it. It's yeah. incredible. And it is. Yeah. yeah. And then you start to... The bad shows I have... I realized are often when I'm trying to get the audience to make me high. Like yeah. I want them to make me high. Ooh, and the good that's ones big. Are when I want to make them high. Yeah. And that's, so it really. That's great. Isn't that wild? That's really good to know. Yeah. And, and, and when you shift it and go like, I've already won. Like what a privilege that you even asked me to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do my best. Oh, it's not working. Hey, like. I'm I'm sorry. Like like I wish this was better for you. Yeah. Instead of you should be kissing my ass. You should make me feel like King Ralph. Mm-hmm. Where's my ham on the bone and my Burger King crown? And that feels better to you. The it like does. give the giving, going in and giving, and then attuning and adjusting based on what they're doing. Truly feels better than being like you. You all should kiss my ass. You're not kissing my ass, and now I'm throwing a tantrum. That's being rough. That's yeah, not yeah, yeah. what you're doing. By but- the way, I do. Okay, two points. One, I did. A couple times I had to. There were some jokes where I told, and it was <laughs> tumbleweeds. <laughs> and I'm saying like jokes that I love. Like mm-hmm. my baby had her first word in the quarantine. It was cracker, which I found racially insensitive. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm just like, and there were a few times just for the full picture that I would say, um, please go home and watch that joke on HBO. <laughs> Just so you can see that it sometimes works. I, I don't even think that's mean. I love it that. It wasn't me. It was completely honest. I was yeah. like, I don't mind bombing. Yeah. But, but I just... need you to know that every single one of these handpicked, revived, and polished, curated jokes has at some point gotten not only laughs, but an applause break. The whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I told a story about somebody who clearly didn't know who I was asking for my autograph. And I wrote, best wishes, Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. You, I might as well have said like, and if you turn to page 17 of the Spanley, of the Spanley manual, <laughs> you'll see how to remove a sprocket with a Finley wrench. <laughs> like it was the same response that if I had said that. Wow. There was even a part where I said like, I said, like, jokingly, I was like, I say this all the time. I go, you, you're judging me. I'm judging you. Like, we're out of practice, but you guys are kind of out of practice because it's been three years since you've gathered. So, you know, you guys are going to you're going to do better. You need to do better or something. And then someone mm-hmm. went, you do better. And I was like, totally fair. <laughs> like, I, was like, I like there was no oh part of me God. that thought, like, how dare you heckle? It totally like, fair. I think I said totally fair. I was oh like, totally God. fair. Like, I need to do better as well. Wow. And those were the moments that they woke up. And yeah. then I looked at my notes. Can I just point out how precious it was that I typed out myself? I never do that. Mm. I typed it out in a mm-hmm. nice, big, easy to read font in clusters based on theme. So I could remember little notes of lines that I forget. There it is on my stool. I look at it because at a certain point I'm doing so poorly. I start going out of order because mm. I'm, I'm, I'm not flailing, but I'm trying anything. Mm-hmm. I'm literally like, 
okay, maybe this. And, and you it, said, say the thing that you said. I looked to at them. the paper. Yeah. And I go, and everybody's, I go, usually I look at the paper during a laugh, mm -hmm. but here we're all just going to enjoy me oh. clearly looking at the paper. <laughs> and then, and they laughed at that. They mm -hmm. loved when I made fun of myself. Yeah. And I looked at the paper and I went, it's a, it's a humbling feeling to know there's nothing on this paper that you will enjoy. <laughs> And brother, have a peach handy. That was so true. Wow. After I got off, and this always happens, Dave Rath and Tom were like, that room is so big you couldn't hear the laughs. Mm. And I'm like... That's very possible. That may be. Yeah. And this is so your boy being raised religious. So a lot of the time acting like I'm happy when I'm not. Yeah. Why do you call it out? Why do you say, please watch that joke on HBO? Because my manager, Dave, was like, you know, you didn't have to call it out. You could have just done your act. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the cornerstones of Grown Up Pete is like, I can't. No. Not just I won't, but like literally it, it, it crushes my soul. You got to know. I go, which I found racially, her first word was cracker, which I found racially insensitive, dead silence. Yeah. I refuse to just yeah. go, <laughs> so I can't. I have yeah. to be like, guys, I got to be honest. That joke has done better. Yeah. Because then that gets, a, that gets a laugh. Right. Well, like the show will be whatever the show is. If the show is me crashing and burning, like feast on me, this will be a, a cannibal corpse. Okay? Yeah. That'll be what it is. Well, I think there is... <sighs> There's so much to this because from my perspective of it, because I will say before you even told me that Dave and Tom said that, that you couldn't hear the laughs, yeah. I felt, I, I remembered that there have been not a lot, but like a few, a handful of shows that I've gone to and stood in the back and heard everybody laughing and you reacted this a similar way like, where, where you're like this you? is where, not where, going well on? this is and i'm like he just can't hear the laughs so that does happen and this is why it's deliciously and appropriately humbling I, going back to me only playing largo only playing the comedy store these places where you just kind of always do great and then you do like kind of a more regular show yeah and i'm like where's the caviar and everyone's <laughs> like Welcome to stand-up comedy. Sometimes you have to warm them up. And I'm yeah. like, I want to laugh on removing the mic from the stand. Yeah. And that's why I had to go like recalibrate myself. I have to look at it differently. Yes. The other thing I was going to say is that I've also experienced, you know, especially early on when we were just dating and I would go to shows with you, the the show would happen and I'd be like, this is great. This is a show. You tell jokes, they laugh and you like, don't give any more thought into it. And then you'd be like, they were really bad tonight. And I was like, huh, what are you hearing? This and you do have to be hypersensitive and there is like a vibe that you pick up and all these things I think are real. That being said, you are hyper aware of them and the audience isn't. Tom so, said the same thing. He's like, this is how you are in your life. Of course, that's how you are on stage. You're hypersensitive, hyper aware, hyper over analytical. Yeah. So of course, that's how you're going to be. And it's, and I think it's, I will, I'm just going to finish making this point so I can get to the part where I, I reinforce that I think what you, how you did handle it was beautiful. But I already said this to you. I'm like, it's very likely, and I wasn't there, but it's very likely that no matter how it sounded in the room, 
if you hadn't addressed it at all, if you had just done your set, like Dave said, most of them would not even think twice. They wouldn't think that that went bad at all. I hear what you're saying. And that is actually what I think is kind of spiritually profound about this whole conversation, or at Mm -hmm. least impactful to me, is that like, why are you doing what you're, we're back to like, you should make me feel good. You should make me feel funny. You should make up for all the uncomfortableness I felt in junior high. Mm -hmm. You should now make me feel special. Mm -hmm. You've flown me here to big me up basically. And if you enjoy it too, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But like instead, I mean, like, I do think about if I could do it again and there is a way to play it. I'd almost have to be like, like just falling in love with you or something like that. I'd have to be (laughs) the happiest, most light. Imagine Mm. the version of Pete that would have to be. And I wish I could Mm -hmm. because I want to just be that open hearted. Mm. You know, Eckhart Tolle tells the story about the monk with sweaty hands Mm -hmm. and he's about to, he, he thought he was enlightened meaning he realized the oneness of the universe and there's there's no separation between anything and he's everything and he's no one. So he's enlightened. And then he's going to go speak for a thousand monks or something. Mm -hmm. He's backstage and his hands are sweaty. Yeah. And then he walked out of the gate. I I thought it was that he was about to meet somebody like important high up, like a higher up. I could be be misremembering, but I thought he was about to speak. For a large group. Uh-huh. And he realized, or he was going to meet, it's the same effect. Yeah. He realized that he, his body hadn't yet caught up to the realization. He was still that he's nervous. one with everything. Why would you be nervous talking to yourself? Yes. And I, why would you be hard on yourself? Yes. I, so that's the thing too, is because I, like, I really see it from all different angles where you know, you're saying I'm doing this to get from them or like they should make me feel funny. They should make, you know, I know you're, you're saying you're trying to not do that, but I also feel like, yeah, that's how comedians are made. Everybody who has the, the, um, audacity to stand in a room of people and be the one person with the microphone on a stage to, to do the scariest thing possible and try to get an instant reaction with everything that they say. And even as you say that, that scares me to do stand up. Like if you said that before I went on stage, I'd go Val. Yeah. Cause it's always, it, it has to be the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just mean that that's what I think in the, there is a intense need to have that validation Otherwise, you wouldn't do something so big. So I feel like we can love that need. And maybe you're at a a point now in your life where you're not really needing that as much. And so that's where this transition is happening, where you're trying to shift it from being like, I'm okay. Val. No matter what, which is what you did at the show. And that's, and that's why, why it's why a huge so success. Yeah. Why did I get off stage after doing poorly mm-hmm. in, in terms of getting laughs? Yeah. I did poorly. Yeah. Uh, why was I elated? Certainly that it was done, but it was also because it felt like a switch had flipped. Yeah. And I look, I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about all of us. The first word of the New Testament is metanoia, which is repent is mm-hmm. how we translate it 
Unfortunately, that word got turned into stop swearing and looking at pornography and stop drinking and stop playing mm-hmm. pool and and beg for forgiveness that you're beg so for forgiveness bad. repent you're terrible repent yeah uh you got a, a cigarette behind your ear repent repent <laughs> repent you're going to hell <laughs> repent metanoia actually means change like change the way you mm. see the world change mm. your relationship to the world mm-hmm. you could actually say in the in the buddhist sense it means wake up it means like figure out your interconnectedness with all things and I know this sounds crazy, but I think what felt so good about that show was something changed. I'm not at by any means claiming the big change. I'm saying mm. that little set was partially converted mm-hmm. from me being like, they don't like me, I'm worthless, I'm garbage, to that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Boy, I tried. Uh, they, they seem like great people. I'm so glad I got to do it. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're here. I'm yes. glad Tom and, and Dave and I went and listened to Tom Petty. And, uh, you know, there was a TV with no sound and just laughing and relating about the show and all that sort of stuff. It, it, it was a, a shift. Absolutely. And I know that's me. I hope that doesn't sound like I'm up my ass. I'm saying these little no. metanoias are everywhere. Yeah. And it made me realize why I want to see the internet interconnectivity of all things. Cause mm-hmm. when I'm doing stand up for myself and it doesn't go well, I don't even have to feel bad for myself or mm-hmm. good for myself. It just was what happened. Yeah. It's just what happened. If you picture the universe is like a hundreds and hundreds of billions of Rubik's cubes and it just got turned this way. Mm-hmm. This one was more purple than yellow and that's okay. Yeah. Well, and what I wanted to say to because I, I sorry we're out of time <laughs> let's go to the minerals, <laughs> minerals. Um, <laughs> but we should go to those after this because we I have to go get Leela yeah um but I just wanted to say what I think is cool oh we got we got a pause we got a, somebody at the door okay pause we are back sorry someone is fixing our fire pit FPP mm-hmm. and uh which is going to be adorable because little Leela can make s'mores, s'mores which is maybe it's like Armageddon. It's like, I hope someone else is doing this right now. Otherwise, what the hell are we fighting for? That's how I feel when I see Lilo making. Let's not yeah. go to minerals yet. Finish your point, and then we'll go to minerals, and then we'll and then we'll take some questions. questions. Great. Um, I just was gonna say that that yes, you could have done this set where you just did your whole set as if it was going well, uh, and not mentioned it. But that's also just not who you are at, at all. I also, and yes. what you have built a career on in this podcast and everything, like your whole style of everything, your shows that you write, everything yes. is about vulnerability so and honesty and authenticity and just like naming it. And I think that's a direct reaction to the wounds of being raised in a church where everything is about appearance and nothing really feels like it's being said or named in real time. Yes. So it's a lovely response to be like, You're so good. You're like a love expert. <laughs> yeah. Root. You're a love genius. That's what I call you. I prefer love guru. The worst movie ever. Is it? Yes. I'm just kidding. I've never seen it. <laughs> Uh, but I would like Mike Myers to do this. So Mike, if you're listening, Valerie will give you a handwritten apology. <laughs> I will. She's, and she's the only person that's ever made fun of the love guru. So I'm sure you're not used to it by now. <laughs> I'm sure Can I Can I also say if there had been one weirdo there, and this is what I, this is to give you guys some love, the people listening, they would have, they would have completely understood and thought it was great. They would have been laughing their ass off. Yeah. 
They would have been, you would have loved it. You oh, would have yeah. enjoyed every moment. And the other thing I'm going to say, and this will be the last thing about the Vegas gig, which again, thank you to everybody that had me. It was such a privilege and I really enjoyed it. Um, that's true. Uh, that <laughs> not that could be true. That is true. Um, <laughs> if, I ha- if I watch somebody, and I have, ignoring what's going on, it actually can be traumatic to me. Yeah. As an audience member. Yeah. Like lowercase t, obviously, to be like, I, it's not entertainment to me mm-hmm. to watch someone pretend like this isn't a terrible situation. Uh, yeah. And I think that that is, um, I think a lot of people probably have that trauma because that's the feeling of being a kid for a lot of us yeah. and being with our parents Look, that's what... and just nobody is saying the, the scary thing in the room, which is, you know, could be anything, but it's like this parent is angry. This parent is drunk, this parent, whatever. And yeah. nobody's talking about it. Yeah. So that is traumatic for most people of our generation have some kind of experience like that. Totally. So it's good. It's like healing to be like, I'm just going to say the thing and we don't have to be afraid of it. Yeah. And there were a lot of smiling, nice people looking at me. So I, I hope that people enjoyed it. And uh, that's that's that. Okay, we're going to go to mid-roll. So th- we're two minutes, three minutes away from uh, some questions that you guys sent in. We will be right back. Also, we have another Pete's pick here for you. Uh, a real favorite of mine, which is feels. CBD is not about what you feel. It's about what you don't feel. Namely, stress, anxiety, pain. Fields is a premium CBD that helps keep your head clear and feel your best. It's hassle-free, delivered directly to your door. And CBD naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. There's no hangover or addiction. I have been using CBD for many years, and I can attest that Fields is absolutely as good as it gets. Helps me unwind, helps me with pain, helps me fall asleep, you name it. I even use, sometimes use it when I'm working because it just elevates my mood and helps me ease into what I'm working on, which is wonderful. Take a few drops of feels under your tongue and feel the difference within minutes. The thing to remember about CBD is that finding a right dose is important and every dose is different and feels even will send you a flight of different strengths of CBD to try, which is how I dialed in my dose. So if you need a dose of chill on the go, you can even try feels new CBD infused mints for a clear headed feeling with a bonus fresh breath. In fact, Feels offers a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience so that you find your perfect dose. The Feels customer service team is dedicated to making sure you get the best use of your CBD. I love this company and they're not just shoving CBD down your throat. They want to make sure you get the exact right one in the exact right dose. Good on you, Feels. Joining the Feels monthly membership as I did using this promo code makes your self-care easy. You'll save money on every order. I can attest to that. The, The discount is substantial and you can pause or cancel any time. So start feeling better with Feels. Become a member today by going to feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash weirdo, and you'll get 50% off your first order, 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash weirdo to become a member and and get 50% off automatically taken off your first order with free shipping, feels.com slash weirdo. Okay, we are back. We are back. Thank we you for are getting pizza be- picks and supporting the show. Let's let's um let's do a couple cues just because we do have to get back to our da- our darling baby. 
uh, who's at the park. Thank you all. Thank you everyone who sent a question. I hope we can get to most of them throughout the, these weeks. I mean, it'll take, it'll take a while. We got so many questions, which is so nice. It was. Um, okay. I love this one from Anwin. I hope, I hope I'm saying that right. Anwin. Um, how do you guys deal with spiritual perfectionism or dealing with this idea of a spiritual experience as a big, exciting transcendental moment instead of the reality that is each moment, the reality that is each moment is divine. Say it again, mama. I was, I was reading my own damn messages. How do you guys deal with spiritual perfectionism or dealing with this idea of a spiritual experience as a big, exciting transcendental um, moment instead of the reality that is each moment is divine. I am an Enneagram seven wing six. If that gives any context, it definitely does. Um, to me needing so much excitement in life that I feel like I'm missing something by chasing an awakening instead of just being alive. Brody, uh, love to you both and happy hundredth episode. Uh, thank you for that question. I love that question. As you can imagine, you would, Um, you would, you would, there's this really great story that Jack Cornfield tells of his guru, Ajahn Chah. Um, when he was like, when Ajahn Chah was a young monk, he studied with this other great monk and, um, and meditated and was there like, you know, like kind of in a, a cave or an ashram or something for months, maybe even years meditating. And so, and then afterwards, Ajahn Chah went to another great master and was telling him all about these transcendental, uh, yeah, transcendental, transcendent transcendent, um, experiences that he had had. And that master said, basically, he said, you experiences come and go. So even transcendent, transcendent experiences come and go. You're getting caught up in that. You should be looking at who is the one who's experiencing them. Mm. And that can be who is the one that's experiencing doing the dishes, who is the one that's experiencing, uh, changing a diaper, you know, it doesn't. You were going to say bombing in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't. Although bombing in Vegas is a great book title. Um, yeah. How to bomb in Vegas. But I also, I know that feeling. I've I've worked, I've done one-on-one sessions with people. I'm kind of married to somebody like this who, who wants, you know, it's like that ecstasy or nothing at all feeling. And Buddhism and mindfulness is very much at least the, the strain or the, the track that I've been, uh, taught the Jack Cornfields and the, um, Tara Brock's is very earthy. It's very much like, like simple and about just really, really fully being here and like doing boring things like walking and feeling, every step on your feet, you know, just doing these really, really simple things. Um, and I, I tend to, that tends to resonate with me more because of of a lot of different reasons. But one of the things is I look at that as like relieving the pressure, (laughs) 
(laughs) So isn't that nice that you don't have the pressure of having this huge earth shattering transcendent moment? You get to like just have it here. Like it's all just right here. Yeah. Um, and the spiritual perfectionism is such a perfect phrase for it. I love the, the connection of that, where it's like, I'm awakened or I'm not, or I'm having an enlightening experience or I'm, I'm having nothing at all. And there is, I think that you just answered your own question. There's so much wisdom in knowing that, that seeking enlightenment can lead to you missing what's right here. And Eckhart Tolle has that thing of like the thought one day I will be enlightened is the thought of the ego because the ego lives in time. So it's something in the future. It's like this goal that, that they're this carrot on a string that keeps moving when the answer to anything can only ever be right here in this moment. What is happening right now? Are you fully here? Are you aware of the sounds in the room? Are you aware of the feeling in your body? Are you aware of your own breath? Is it just, is there, can you allow everything else to melt in the periphery? And then instantly you'll get caught up in something else, some virtual reality, and you just return back again and again and again. Mm. I love that as you're saying this, I'm actually like, this is a little vulnerable to share, but somebody's blowing leaves mm-hmm. and it actually makes me feel like unsafe. Like, yeah, we we always say hysterical, historical. So I I put my Apollo on. One of the reasons I put my Apollo, I put on Rebuild and Recover because mm-hmm. I'm like I need something to just go. Shh, 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 shh. Mm-hmm. But if we weren't recording, I would be wearing headphones right now and listening to like. Because <laughs> it's so hard for me to hear noise. Yeah. Um, but I loved what you said and I actually needed it. And it reminds me of what Father Greg Boyle said. Mm. I was like, when do you recharge? Like, when do you connect? And how mm. often do you need a reminder? Mm-hmm. Um, as I would say that the reality of the divine doesn't matter. It doesn't, it's not hinged on how stimulated you are mm. or how locked in you are or whatever it is. It's always there. Mm-hmm. And he goes, uh, with every breath, with every, mm. every breath is another opportunity as I'm as the blowing is getting closer i'm like but that's that's also it's in the blowing and it's in your reaction in the blowing well as you always say it's not just the feeling as i'm like i can't that's why i said what did i say what did i say i said <laughs> this is embarrassing it's invulnerable to share this mm-hmm. is i'm like how can i be it's not i, I wouldn't even say i'm annoyed like mm-hmm. something father greg says too is that anger is pain turned inside out I wouldn't even say I'm annoyed. Like it's a cliche to have a guy in his beautiful home be like, but these leaf blowers, that's not what's happening. Mm, mm -hmm. I actually feel threatened. Yeah. And, and that's, what's vulnerable to share. And there's a part of me that goes like, how can this be? Mm. How can this be? Mm -hmm. How could I so easily be broken by the CIA? They're like, he'll tell us, just get a leaf blower in here. You know what I mean? But that's, Oh God. Yes. I know what you mean. Cause I'm the same way. And that's the feeling. So there's, you know, the feeling and then there's the shame around having the feeling. And for me, it feeling overwhelmed in any sort of way or even feeling a difficult emotion like sadness or fear is instantly followed up with like, I see, I can't handle the world. 
I'm too sensitive. Yes. I'm too small. Yes. I can't, I can't. And I'm embarrassed that Living I'm so life is for other people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm so easily shaken and, and that's embarrassing and I should be. And I'm like, and then that makes me feel in danger because I'm like, I'm not going to be able to make it out here. So that's all really normal. I just want to like give you solidarity with that. And also say to bring it back to this question, all, none of that is unholy. Like that's not, this isn't, that's the spiritual perfectionism is. And that's also my addict behavior. If I'm not feeling completely Zen, I'm off. It's exactly. black or white. I'm in or out. Exactly. But I, I actually think this is, this is perfectly holy. It's perfectly holy. And we think what we want is bliss all the time. And, and honestly, when people come to me to do mindfulness sessions, a lot of times it's, it, we, we're drawn to this t- because we want to end suffering. That's true for everyone, mm-hmm. but it can be, especially if there's somebody who is, who has, uh, an addict mindset. Um, they just want ecstasy. Like they just, it's a different way of getting to ecstasy. And it's, and, and most of the time I just want to celebrate that, that this person, found a healthier way to try to get to ecstasy. That's the first step. Mm. Let's celebrate that, that you found even a healthy way to get there. And then once you explore that and the deeper you go with this practice, you're going to find that you you feel everything. It's like that story where a, a therapist recommends to a guy that he goes to like a silent retreat. And he did. And he came back and he was like, I've been crying for a week. I've been angry. I've been brokenhearted. I've been fearful. And he's like, you said I would feel better. And he's like, yeah, you would feel anger better. You'll feel fear better. It's just, it's stepping into this human existence and then building that tolerance window. So what, what we shoot for is ecstasy and, and bliss, but that's not realistic. And that's not, that's not even what I think what we, we really want. I think what we want or our wise selves want is resilience is to be amongst the mud and the shit and to keep our center mm. so that we're not if you were if you were to experience ecstasy or bliss, it would be so fragile. It's like, okay, so these this circumstance, that's why when you like meditate and you start to feel that euphoria, yeah, you're like, uh, don't think about it because yeah. then it'll go away. Yeah. It's too fragile. Let's get let's just get a center. Let's get equanimity that can handle when there's euphoria and then the sec- the next moment there's devastation and then there's anger and then there's boredom and then there's joy and then there's you know whatever so let's like that kind of resilience and center uh so i think it's joseph goldstein maybe calls it walking evenly on uneven ground it's like that's that's this plane that's earthy those are skills we can actually develop mm-hmm. as opposed to yeah spending our whole time just trying to like take a rocket ship up into the clouds hmm. Anyway, I guess I had a lot to say about that. <laughs> I loved it. it uh, James at, our, at that same dinner said to me, he goes, no feeling is wrong. Yeah. Because some actions might not be the optimum action for you or your highest self or whatever, but yeah. no feeling is wrong. I love that. Also, in, I'm reading Father Greg's second book, which is called Barking to the Choir, which is impossibly just as good as Tattoos on the Heart, which is a high praise. Um, and he says, in, 
he said one of the homies said to him, like, I've been to that anger management class twice and I still feel angry. Mm -hmm. I still get angry. Mm -hmm. He's like, we're not teaching you to stop being angry. We're teaching you how to be angry. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I could cry. I love that. I love that. I know this is well covered ground, but like no one, it didn't even occur to anybody, I feel like, Mm -hmm. uh, growing up to be like, let me teach you how to be angry. Let, Let me teach you not to the two choices, let it out or repress it. Mm-hmm. Like you said, rain and, and feel it and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. This, I, I, I want Yeah. All right. I don't want to do a, a whole rain session with the thing, but I am feeling better. We can do. No, we don't have to. I mean, I was going to, I was actually going to recommend that, but then I didn't, or you could, I would do... say it actually, it feels like a hand on my neck. That's what I was going to, it feels like somebody's gripping my neck, okay. which again is so embarrassing. How can that be? Okay. I so hear Bill Burr being like, Jesus Christ. Okay. So that's the... Jesus the, Christ. The, the steps... This kid needs to play hockey. So you recognized it instantly, by the way. You already did the R. You recognized it as soon as the leaf blower happened and you were like, this is making me feel unsafe. Then you you kind of skipped to investigation. So we haven't, accept it, you mean. we haven't allowed it yet. Yeah. So... So yeah, I, it, it for, for allowing, go like, oh, okay. If I'm just a visiting alien, there's just a lot of energy. It's mm-hmm. in my like fingertips. And then, like I said, in my throat and I, this is a common one for me, but it's a feeling of like cold water, like running behind my eyes. Mm-hmm. Like there's like an unpleasant sort of building mm-hmm. sort of sensation. Yeah. So and also like my stomach is real tight. Okay. So a tight stomach gripping in your throat, cold water behind your eyes. And also just like a really overwhelming feeling of impotence. And I don't mean inability to, I mean, I feel disempowered. Mm. And I would say that, sorry, to, now I'm intellectualizing it. I know I'm not thinking it, but like so much of my life is trying to just feel like I'm in control. Mm-hmm. And, and when it when something like this happens, if it's a loud neighbor, and by the way, we're at like a, 2.53 out of discomfort. I don't sure. want people to think I'm absolutely dis- disabled by this uh, or frozen by this. Yeah. But yeah. But it but it's enough to work with. We don't have to have huge feelings to work with it. Even that I'm not. See, I'm, I feel bad that we're even working. <laughs> but yeah. Because I would say that's probably that voice of disempowerment. It's also Bill Burr being like, yeah, yeah. somebody needs to side check you into the penalty box. So then, I mean, if we really were going into this, you would say, okay, so there's the the feeling in my body, which you did so beautifully, but then the brain kind of kidnapped again and and started having judgment. Well, what happens is the the edifice, the the statue of Pete, as I want to see myself and as I want others to see me, mm-hmm. starts to sort of collapse. Like sure, I, it, like that's an image that comes, and I'm like, yeah. this isn't right. This doesn't fit on the statue. Right. So beautiful. You don't so- want that on your epitaph. Scared of leaf blowers, a delight to many. (laughs) (laughs) So that is great to know. Thank you, Brain, for decoding for us and and intellectualizing it. And let's return back to what's happening in the body. Even when when you think of that statue crumbling, what reaction does that get out of in your body? Yeah, it's it's the same throat thing, although it sort of softens in a sad way. Okay, so sadness is a really great sign that then we're 
we're kind of moving past it and we're grieving reality. Yeah, I'm not really annoyed by it anymore, but I do feel sad. You feel sad. That's a great, I mean, that's like a great step. That's usually sadness is the signifier that there's a, there's been a shift because we break through the walls and then we get to the sadness of in whatever way, reality is not what I want it to be. And then there's a grieving that comes for that. So sadness. So then there's the sadness that you're affected by this. What does that sadness need from you? What would that sadness like from you? And it can be a hand on the chest or wherever you're feeling it. It could just be like a little phrase that says, you're welcome here. You're okay. You're allowed in. You're allowed to be here. I got you. you. Oh, I got you, sadness. You're here. You can stay here as long as you need. It's really interesting. Sorry, I'm intellectualizing it again, but I am still co-hosting the podcast. Yes. Uh, It's not, we're not able to like fully go into it. No, I know, but it's the, it was a profound shift. You said that anger is the first layer. Often. Yeah. And Father Greg says, anger is pain turned inside out. Mm-hmm. And I really did experience that. Like, it's really weird. I actually prefer the sadness. The oh, ang- yeah. The anger was like, I don't, I'm not even mad at this hardworking person. There's no, you fucking idiot. Like, yeah. get a rake. It's not that. Mm-hmm. It's I hear yelling i hear yeah and it's it's closing in on me mm-hmm. and then really that that's all gone by the way mm-hmm. so it's not even bothering me in the mm-hmm. same way i just feel like a really almost cozy blanket sad couch cry feeling yeah and you said it that reality isn't what i want it to be meaning reality isn't always accommodating and quiet and, and, and gentle. Yeah. Um, well, and that bums me out, I guess. Yeah. It's very sad. There's, but the, the sadness is such a key moment to get to, because like I said, there is, um, like an admitting that this is the reality that happens. So the anger or the fear is saying, anger is saying, no, this is unacceptable. I I am this statue that should be, shouldn't be unaffected. And it's, and I'm angry that you are affecting me. It's a statue in a garden filled with statues of other Holmes men. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Sure. And then there's Jay Holmes, uh, city councilman, Somerville founder, this, that, this, that Red Sox fan, (laughs) Pete Holmes. Comedian, okay, that's good. Successful comedian, ooh, afraid of leaf blowers or whatever. Right. So uses the word trauma. Yeah. So that, and that's also what we all do, which is identify with that feeling. This feeling is just trying to pass through you. It's got history of noises not being safe, and it's just wanting to move through you. And then your mind goes, "Oh, I guess this is me now." Which mind you does? You are so. You're just a. And then love <laughs> guru starring Mike Myers. You're uh, you're topographizing exactly the terrain I'm on. Yeah. Because even after we have like a little breakthrough or something, another dose of like, that doesn't belong on the statue. Mm-hmm. And then you just go like, 
it doesn't have to go on the statue. Yeah. In fact, there is no statue. Well, what you do is, and when you're really practicing rain, it does cycle like that. So it'll go, okay, I recognize it. I'll allow it as much as I can. I'll investigate it. I feel it in my stomach. I feel it tight in my throat. I'll nurture it. It just wants to be here. You're allowed to be here. And then the brain will go, but like you're being kind of a pussy, you know, or whatever it is. And then you'll be like, and then you get all worked up again and go, okay, all you have to do is judge. Okay. Judgment. You could just label it. That's a judgment. It has nothing to do with me. We can throw it away. We can give it a name, even like bow to it. Thank you protector you're trying to keep me from being an embarrassed soft squishy boy um thank you for protecting me i'm okay don't know if i needed squishy <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know i say that with the uh, fondest I know, I know, I know. <laughs> um and and then move on like it, uh, because another way to look at this is your anger is your protector. Your judgment is your protector. Your fear of feeling it is your protector. And it's all protecting that sadness. That's another reason why sadness is such a significant turn. Because all of those things are saying, your anger is saying, no, this reality is unacceptable. I will not allow it. Your fear is saying, no, 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 no. We can't allow it. No, 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 no. <laughs> Please don't make that be real. Right. And how many altercations and wars even would be prevented if people could just jump and be like, I'm so sad. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and be like, I feel like I think I might just be really sad. Yeah, yeah. And then once you feel sad, that's so much easier to nurture and just be like, right, you're just sad. And the sadness means that you've started, like I already said, to you went from being like, this reality is unacceptable to like, oh, this is the reality. Yeah. It just is this. And we think that our protectors, we have to go through our protectors. This isn't uh, basically the theory behind um, internal family systems, which is like a therapy philosophy. But it's like you can't just cut right to the wounded one. You have to like spend time with each protector and acknowledge their contribution and then they'll let you through it's so wild that people have done this mapping it's crazy i know thank god we live in this time I know. thank god we have this much knowledge about the inner workings the complex inner workings yeah. of human emotions let me see if I, glass case of thank you valerie that was beautiful thank Here, you for being willing to do person's it person's name uh i wanted a light question but this will work I'm having trouble compartmentalizing time away in my relationship. How do you guys curb anxiety pangs of keeping in touch if one of you is traveling? Well, I, it's it's not as heavy as, as what we've just been dealing with. So we'll close on this one. Yeah, I that love way, it. At least we, we each did one. Yeah. Um, so people don't feel ripped off. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, what's interesting is I we talk about this all the time is I, I don't even know if we're the best people to give relationship advice, except the relationship advice that like, boy, I hope you find somebody that just happens. Yeah. <laughs> like We never to line up with you in certain ways. Cause we never worked on it. Like when I was in Vegas, mm -hmm. I tried to remember to text you a couple times and mm -hmm. like we spoke on the phone once, mm -hmm. but that all was like effort. Yeah. Um, because I, I just, like I, we're always saying, it's like, I'm just there to do this thing. And I'm so grateful that you don't take that as neglect. Mm -hmm. Like, and you know, we're, we're solid enough. Like, 
in our day to day that when I go away, I can just sort of be away mm-hmm. and check in. But if I don't check in, like one of the nights I was like, it's 1030. Oh, I forgot. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to you tonight. I really wanted to, but I was at dinner with Tom. Mm-hmm. It's 1030 at night. I was like, oh, I'm sorry I missed you. And I noticed your notifications were off. So I was like, she'll see that in the morning. Mm-hmm. But so all I can say, and this is an answer. I came about one. Is if you keep, the blowing stopped. If you keep things, if you keep the love flowing, we were talking about how love is so irresistible. Mm-hmm. And if you're just constantly, not just saying it, but giving it and showing mm-hmm. it, however your partner receives it. Mm-hmm. Um, then when you're away, I really feel like there's a surplus that will carry you over those times when when you're away. Yeah. That that really maybe only works for what we're dealing with. Like every once in a while, I'll go on the road. So I know some people like, maybe they're gone the whole week and they spend the weekends together. I don't know. Yeah. But like, I feel like, one, get lucky and find somebody that doesn't think it's neglectful mm-hmm. if I text you, sorry, I didn't call you. Yeah. But what is really going on there? You trust me. Yeah. You know I love you. Uh, yep. I'm not saving it for Valentine's Day or your birthday or Christmas or some holiday to tell you these things. And I can always give you the benefit of the doubt because you always give me the benefit of the doubt. And well, that's the nature ways. of yeah. our relationship. Exactly. I, you also earn that trust. I'm somebody who's been cheated on and I've, mm-hmm. I'm somebody that in other relationships I've had trust issues. I, I feel like they were warranted if I'm being honest. Yeah. If, if it's just a factory that makes peanut brittle, yeah. when you go away, maybe it's nice to not eat peanut brittle for a couple of days because it'll be so nice to have some peanut brittle when you get home. But yeah. you have to make sure that peanut brittle is really good. Yeah. I would also say there is, because we, I think I agree with all of that. And also maybe this is a little bit really more some peanut brittle. <laughs> helpful. That's, you're going to joke. Um is that when you, we've talked about this on the podcast, there's been seasons where you're touring a lot. And then we often will have the same kind of argument or, or hard discussion where it gets to a point where you are feeling like this is not a vacation. I'm not going away because I want, I'm just having fun. I'm doing this hard thing. And just because I'm staying in hotels doesn't mean that it's fun. And I really need you to appreciate that. And I am, and I'm usually feeling at that point, like I'm staying here with Leela and that's really hard. And I need you to appreciate that. And so this is, we just know that. That was and a breakthrough we, though, is you have to say it. You have to, you say, have to I say, I know it's not easy for you to be with Leela. And I really appreciate that. Like, I feel like that one can't coast on peanut brittle. You have like, you to know, say I it. I gave you those kisses and those hugs. You I have, have to, say, to name it. I respect and value what you do. And I need to hear, I respect and value what you do. And something that I do that I see you do as well is when I start to think like, I don't feel like underappreciated. I go, well, in what way am I maybe underappreciating Pete? Because if I'm living with scarcity of appreciation, I'm probably not giving it. And that means you're probably living in a scarcity too. And that's why you're not giving it. Totally. So it's, it's, if you want to get texts, write some texts. Yeah. You just have to be, there always is somebody that has to be the first one to be like, even though I don't have enough of this, I'm going to give it to you because you probably don't either. And then hopefully 
you have a partner that's good enough to be like, oh, thank you. And I will also give this back. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You want someone to say hi to you, say hi to somebody. I know I'm saying sort of the point you just made, but I love the point you just made. No, I, I love you. I love you. Well, thanks uh, everybody. Yeah. This was 101, babies. Oh man, we're in the hundreds now. Yeah. Love it. Triple dig. Triple dig. Um, well, thanks for everybody. Really appreciate you spending this time with us. And go ahead and cre- keep it crispy. <laughs> I almost said creep it kispy. <laughs> creep it kispy. You have to say it properly. Keep it crispy. I got suddenly worried that this would be the one that we didn't say it. And I'm like. I did say it. No, I know you did. <laughs> keep it crispy. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs>